Um, so we're in a, a, a series looking at the life of Jesus, right? We're, we're, it's called Encountering Jesus. This is a part of the Bible Engagement Project. Who has the app? Who has the app, the Bible Engagement app? These two are rock stars. Maybe, maybe somebody else in your family has it and you're looking on it for somebody else. These girls are already on it. I, I love that. Randy. <laughs> exactly. Stay off the phone. Thank you. Um, but like, so, so we're, we're in the middle of the series, and uh, it's been really cool. Uh, this is the first one that we're doing in the New Testament, so we get to really look at the life of Jesus. Who was here on Sunday? Who was here on Sunday? You got a chance to listen. Do you know who spoke on Sunday? I did. Huh? I did. So thank you. If, um, if you were here on Sunday, I am sorry. This is mostly the same message, but we do have small groups. So there is that caveat. So just so just so you know, if you're like, oh, I've already got this and this sounds familiar, just know we're we're in this. So uh, do you guys remember the story that I told on Sunday about my teachers? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm gonna tell it again for those of people who who didn't listen or, or maybe you didn't hear it or maybe you weren't here. Uh, have you guys ever had teachers that are really influential in your life? Yeah. yeah. Lots of teachers who are influential. Yeah. I had two, one in high school and one in college. My high school one was awesome. My college one, he's kind of like the, your stereotypical, like, he really inspired me. You guys listening? Cool. Thank you. Uh, he, he really inspired me. He, uh, he, he was always, I was always in his room. He always would teach me things and, and have conversations with me and just really uh, elevate me. It, it, he, he was an awesome, awesome dude. Me and him are still friends today. His name is Chris. He wrote a book, like, crazy. He's awesome. Love him to death. But really, the best stories come from my high school days because I had a teacher named Mr. Schwartz. And I should have brought a picture of Mr. Schwartz, but I didn't. Um, if you want to see a picture of Mr. Schwartz, you'll have to come ask me um, because I'm Facebook, I was Facebook friends with him before he uh, had, had passed away, uh, sadly. But Mr. Schwartz was awesome. I had him for homeroom for five years. And people are like, okay, high school is only four. I had him in eighth grade. Uh, he was kind of the person who, who taught me, like, how to be a high schooler, how to function, how to not get my head shoved in lockers, all that stuff, right? And he was, he was incredible. He had a middle part in his hair, and when he would teach, he would, like, get really flustered, and all of his hair would be in his face. So he'd get halfway through teaching and have to, like, scrape it out of his eyes. It was hilarious to watch him do that. But he, uh, he was an avid smoker, right? So he smoked all the time. And uh, it got to a point that he would actually crack his window, and he would smoke out of the window in the classroom. And so we'd come in, and we'd be like, it smells like Schwartz, did you? He's like, yeah, I did. He got an email. Uh, the, uh, the high school uh, team sent him an email, uh, sent the whole staff an email, and they were like, hey, please refrain from smoking in your classrooms. And he set us in homeroom, and he looked at this, and he showed me and my friend, because we were all buddies with him. He goes, look at this. Look at this email. They send it to everybody. He goes, they know it's me. Just send it to me. Like, it's fine. Like, it's what it is. He was also a conspiracy theorist. He didn't believe that we landed on the moon. So he had a picture of himself in an astronaut uniform because he thought that we didn't land on the moon legitimately. Here's the funniest part about all of this. He was my AP U.S. history teacher. <laughs> so, like, he's supposed to be teaching, like, one of the hardest classes ever. But he was really influential because he taught that class in such a way that it really prepared me for college. Teachers are important, right? 
You guys have teachers like that who, like, you're like, I love that teacher. That teacher is awesome. That has made me who I am today. Like, all that stuff. Yeah. You have good teachers and, and good people to be around. Well, what we're going to kind of unpack tonight, again, if you were here on Sunday, I'm sorry, but it's going to be mo- ma- mainly the same thing. Um, but we're going to be looking, yes, we're going to be looking at the, the life of Jesus. And uh, we're going to be looking at what is called the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody know what that is? Anybody know what that is already? You're like, yeah, I got it. We're going to be looking at the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, which is basically just the opening for, um, for the, the teaching. So um, before we get into it, before we get into it, if you guys would, uh, just bow your heads, close your eyes with me as we pray uh, to start this thing out. Father, yeah, I know. Father, we thank you so much um, for just the ability to be able to unpack your word and to really um, just focus in on what it is that you have to say to us. I know that this is a message that was preached on Sunday, so for a lot of us, it's kind of a, a tuner um, and something that is easy to, to say, well, I listen to it on Sunday, so I don't need to hear it. But I pray that there would be new things that, that these students would catch on to if they heard it on Sunday. Or if they didn't, I pray that it would be a brand new word for them that they would be able to, um, to really hold on to. And uh, I just pray that, that um, your word would speak to them in any way that, um, that they need it. Lord, I pray that you would just, um, you would just make yourself known tonight and uh, you would be glorified in everything that's said, everything that's taught. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. So I actually, this is crazy, I know because I'm the youth pastor, but I actually left my Bible upstairs. So I'm going to read on the Sky Bible like everybody else. So uh, go ahead put this thing up. We're in Matthew chapter 5. If you brought your Bible and, di- you know, weren't a, a lame like me, um, you can also read it on the Sky Bible um, if you're like me. But maybe you're a rock star and you brought your Bible. That's awesome, too. We're in Matthew chapter 5. Everybody say 5. We're going to be in verse 1 through 12. You don't have to repeat that. But here we go. Let's go ahead and just read this um, really, really quickly. Um, this is what it says. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down and his disciples came to him and began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Everybody say poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said, blessed are those who mourn. Everybody say those who mourn. For they will be comforted. And he says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Everybody say, blessed are the meek. Yeah. So we have these first three Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are basically blessings. And the Beatitudes and the blessings that Jesus talks about are the characteristics we're supposed to have as followers of God, as believers, as Christians, right? So if you identify as a Christian, this is how you should be acting. We're going to kind of unpack it together, and then we're going to be talking about it in small groups. So poor in spirit. A lot of times you would hear that and you go, oh, poor in spirit. That means somebody who's like really poor. Not necessarily, not in this context. Basically what Jesus is talking about is people who understand that they are sinners. Might say, I'm a sinner. Now, that's not something to get upset or, or like really um, beat yourself up over. But you have to understand that you need a savior, right? We need God. If we don't have this, we can, we can really get off track. So we have to know that we, and we have to be poor in spirit, okay? This, and these three, uh, 
these three things are important because it takes a look and it really is all about our posture. Everybody say posture. How are you living your life? That's what these beatitudes in these first um, four verses, four, first five verses, this is what it's really unpacking. When, it, when he says, blessed are those who mourn, that's not that you're sad all the time, okay? Don't be like, I'm sad all the time and that's what Jesus wants me to be. No, that's not it. But you do have to understand that because you're a sinner, that's a bad thing. And so you have to understand that and know that that is not how we're supposed to live as believers. Imagine if somebody walks around and all they do is just horrible things and they're just sinners and whatever, but they don't see the need to like fix it because they don't see it as bad. You have to understand that sin is bad, right? That's like a given. Understanding that will help you to move forward. We have to have our posture in the right place. But we don't necessarily have to just be sad all the time. So don't hear that. We're happy. We're joyful. We're Christians. Look at Jonah. Jonah's like the most cheerful, happy dude I know. And it's because of Jesus. And it's because he's a Christian. Like, that's because, absolutely. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's true. Now, Now this is basically just pump up Jonah. No, um. But, but what Jesus talks about in this section of the Beatitudes is about the posture. It's about looking at, at, at ourselves first and understanding we're sinners, we sin, we need a Savior, we need people who can, or we need Jesus, and we need people around us who can help us understand who we are. If we don't have this foundation built, If we don't have this foundation built, we can walk away and think we're above the kingdom. That's not a good thing. If you walk away and think that you're above God or you don't need him or your sin isn't that bad, you can be really, really, really in a bad spot. So I don't think any of us want to be in that spot, right? Right? These first Beatitudes hit on how we're supposed to live publicly and privately, okay? So that's what this this thing looks at. These first few Beatitudes look at the posture, how we're supposed to be living, how we're supposed to live in our lives, how we're supposed to stand up. It's like taking a pretest in school. Do you guys like pretests? <laughs> so, okay, so this was really funny. When I was preaching on Sunday, everybody's like, pretests, what, whatever. I guess they didn't take pretests back, you know, when adults, you know, like in school. But you guys know pretests, right? They are horrible. Guys, I hate taking pretests because I want to know things, right? But what, what do teachers give you pretests for? To practice. But they want to see what you know before they go in. Because if they can start you on chapter 4 or 5, they'll start you on chapter 4 and 5. If you know the stuff in 1, 2, and 3, they'll make sure that you can start on time. It's, it's a way for you to understand what your foundation is so that you can build on it, right? These first few Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessing uh, to those who are meek. These things are the foundational pieces for us to have our lives in order, okay? You guys get that? All right, 
Let's move on. Go ahead, throw this next scripture up. It's Matthew uh, chapter 5, 6 through 8. This is what it says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. For they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. Everybody say merciful. For they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart. Say pure in heart. I know it's call and response the entire time. But this is the way you guys can get it. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So check this out. So this, so the first one, the first few beatitudes that we look at, they deal with your posture. How are you living? How are you living your life? Uh, making sure that you have the right heart and everything, right? This looks at the position. Where are you supposed to be at? Where are you supposed to be at with other people? And where are you supposed to be at and how you interact with them and how you treat people and how you live your life? You guys with me? All right. Guys, righteousness is important. It says to hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? How do you do that? Sometimes you look at it and you're like, I have no clue. Like, I get hungry for McDonald's and Taco Bell, but I don't know how to hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? Righteousness is the thing that will move you forward in, in, your, in your life. So you can mourn over your past sin, right? We got that from the first section, okay? You guys with me? You mourn your past sin, you get that, but then you have to actually strive for righteousness, okay? If you don't have those two things together, you're going to live this mismanaged and, and weird lifestyle. You have to have a mourning of your past sin, but you have to look forward to saying, I don't want to do that anymore, and I don't want to live like that anymore. You guys with me? You have to have righteousness. There's no better way to grow as a Christian. How many people want to grow as a Christian? Thank you for being honest if you didn't want to. But, like, <laughs> if you want to grow as a, as a Christian and a follower of, of Christ, you have to have an appetite for righteousness. You have to have an appetite for spiritual growth. Otherwise, you won't have it, right? It, it's, it's, really, it's really important. It's like, it's why you eat bad and you make bad choices in your food. Because you start to crave what you eat a lot of. And so if you eat a lot of, like, garbage, then you crave a lot of garbage. And believe me, I lived four years in, in college. I ate a lot of pizza and a lot of stuff that did my body. Like, I can only eat, like, two slices now, and then I'm, like, done. <laughs> like, okay. My, my stomach hurts. Anyway, I don't know why I said that. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> it says, blessed are the merciful. And this is important because when you look at who God is, right, when you look at who God is, a lot of people would look at him and say God is merciful, right? He shows us mercy. That's important because it's important to who God is. So if it's important to who God is, don't you think that being merciful to other people is how we're supposed to be as well? Yeah, absolutely. You have to live a life where you show mercy to other people. To live a life that's meek understands that you're a sinner, right? These, this posture of understanding who you are and understanding who God is, right? Building that foundation. But then you also have to show mercy to other people because guess what? They're sinners too, they, they live sinful lives too. And somebody said amen to that because you're like, I can point them out right now who, who that is, Tristan. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Tristan's awesome. <laughs> but, and then it ends with this thing of being pure in heart, having purity. Guys, all of this, 
all, and this is why these are so important. You could pick out one and be like, this is the most important. That's what makes this so awesome in Jesus' teaching. But being pure in heart is especially important because you can ruin all of these other characteristics if you don't have a pure heart. You have to make sure that you have integrity. You guys know what integrity is, right? Yeah? It's like, it's like doing the right thing whether somebody's looking or somebody's not. It's being, uh, living the same life publicly and privately. And not only that, but making good choices, not just making bad choices and making bad choices publicly and privately. Okay, don't hear that. It's like, I'm consistent. I'm consistently bad here and here. It's like, no, <laughs> please don't do that. But, like, it's important to understand that we have to have a pure heart. Here's the interesting thing about this, though. Living righteously, showing mercy to people, and having a pure heart. Does that sound like what the world wants you to have right now? To be righteous and to show mercy and to do all that stuff? Have a pure heart? No. Because if you turn on any sort of entertainment or, or any sort of media, anything, what they want you to do is so countercultural to what Jesus talks about. Because they want us to just be ourselves. How many times do you hear that? Just be yourself. It's okay. Whatever. No. We have to live righteous lives. We can't just be ourselves. Because if we were just ourselves, we're going to be messed up, jacked up sinners. Like, and I know that you're like, okay, Josh, don't be so mean. Like, I'm not trying to be mean about it. But that's just who we are. And so if we live our lives, it's not going to be well. It's not gonna, if we live who we are, it's not going to end well for us. We also have to show mercy to other people. And guess what? That's hard because how many times have you gone to, like, somebody who's not a Christian and you're like, hey, this person hurt me, and they go, you should pay them back. Yeah? You, sh you should just do what they did to you or make them hurt worse or, you know, make them cry too. Like, I don't know what it is. But we live in a world that's like, hey, I want you to pay me back. You guys listening? Okay, awesome. Please don't have your own conversations and stuff like that. I appreciate it, but it's so countercultural to who we are. We have to hold on to what Jesus says is going to be good for us in the end, right? Have to hold on to that, even if it's not what everybody else wants for us to do in the world. There's a tension that we have to live in, and we have to stand in that gap. Guys, you might be the bridge from someone who's lost to winning somebody to the kingdom of God, to winning somebody to Jesus. How many people want to see their lost friends saved, brought in here every single week to hang out and, and live a, a Christian life with you, live a, a, the life of a believer? Because not only is it like, oh, we want everybody to be a Christian just so we can check a box off, but literally you live a better life with Jesus, Right? You live a better life with Jesus. So we have to look at our position. Where are we living at? Where are, are we at with this? Go ahead and you can, uh, you can go to, uh, to this next scripture in uh, uh, verse 9. Verse 9 in Matthew chapter 5. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, say peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And then it says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. Wait a minute. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs will be called, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when 
people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Wait a minute. This doesn't sound right. This sounds a little weird, huh? Rejoice and be glad. Okay, be glad for persecution. That's weird. Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You guys know what they did to the prophets back in the day? Yeah. Dude, they, they ridiculed them. They mocked them. They laughed them out of rooms. Sometimes they killed them. Like, the prophets were treated horribly. And Jesus says, hey, guess what, guys? If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if you're going to be a follower of me, expect persecution. Expect rejection. And expect insults. That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Especially because you have all these nice things of, like, living a better life. And you know what I mean? Like, being peacemakers and living lives of righteousness and being merciful. All these are things that are like make you a better person, right? All these things are, are, are important. But what these last few Beatitudes hit on and how Jesus closes the introduction is important because it looks at the purpose. It looks at the purpose of who we are and what we should do. We're supposed to be peacemakers. Guys, if you would look at your own life, are you a peacemaker in the situations, or do you rile people up? If you were being honest, are you trying to make peace in situations and be a leader who, who people can count on, or are you trying to cause as much chaos as the next person? Got to make peace. Guys, I, I would say if there is anything in, in your own um heart or in your own life that you can't make peace with other people, that that is one of the first things that you walk out of here and go do. Guys, we have to, we have to, we have to, we have to be peacemakers because there's a world out there that wants to tear each other apart over the slightest things. We have to be the peacemakers to be able to bridge people together and hold people together and really un make them understand that there's something different about us. So that they go, what is it? And we can explain why we are the way that we are. But then it ends with this weird thing of hostility and persecution. It's a weird way to end like a really inspiring message, isn't it? Super weird that Jesus would talk about it. But guess what? Rejection and hostility and all that stuff is just as much of a marker of being a Christian as living righteous and living merciful and, and, and being meek and understanding that you're poor in spirit. All of these things are important, but so is expecting and facing rejection and persecution and insults and mockery and all of this stuff. You guys have to understand that moving forward. This stuff is like your report card. These beatitudes are like your report card. It's the stuff that, that you're going to be marked on. If you're not a peacemaker, people are going to be able to tell. If, you, if you're not handling persecution and rejection well, people are going to be able to see that and understand it and be like, okay, well, they say that they're a Christian, but they don't live like it, and they don't really act upon it. With all of these, really, you can look at your life and look at these characteristics, and if you don't have them in your own life, people are going to recognize it, and they're going to see you as fake. Guys, <laughs> don't be fake. Don't live a life 
where you look at these characteristics and you say, nah, not for me. Look at what Jesus teaches in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, like we just read and we just went in, into, and look and start to look at your life and say, this matches up, this doesn't. Really start to make that, that move and that change. Because if you don't, you, you can become susceptible to living one way while saying you want to live another way. And I know you guys. I understand where you guys are at. Who wants to be fake? Who wants people around them who are fake? No. I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong here, maybe it's changed since I was in high school, but I would say fake people are like the worst kinds of people to be around. <laughs> Still is. Yeah, fake people are horrible because you never know if they mean it or if they don't or where they stand on this or where they're at or if they're talking about you or if they're friends with you or you can never put your finger on them. And guys, if you don't live your life according to the way that Jesus teaches on and speaks on and the way he it commands us to live, people are going to look and see the inconsistencies and say, yeah, that's not real. And then they're not going to look at you and say, you're not real. Well, they will. But they'll look at Jesus and think that he's not legit either. Yo, I think living a life that, I think living a life that puts more rejection on Jesus than myself is way worse. You can reject me all day long, but please don't reject Jesus. So we have to live our lives in a way that's consistent so that we can glorify God and point people back to the Savior. Right? You guys getting me with this stuff? Yeah? I hope you do. I really do because, because this is so, so, so important. And so what I want to do is I kind of just want to close up. I want to pray, and then I want to break out into some small groups for us because I think it will be really awesome to be able to kind of talk about this a little bit. And so with that being said, if you guys would bow your heads and close your eyes. If tonight, if tonight you would look at this message and just what we were talking about tonight and you would say, there are some of these characteristics of living a life of righteousness or being meek or understanding my, my own sin. And you would look at this and you would say, hey, I, I need to retune my, my heart so that I can really be authentic. If that's you, if you would look at some of these beatitudes, some of these characteristics of how we're supposed to be living as followers of Christ. If you would say, I need to retune my heart a little bit, would you just please raise your hand? I need to retune some things in me. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. You can put your hands down. Tonight, if you would say, I don't even know how to retune myself because I, like, don't even know who Jesus is or what he's about. Can I tell you that not only is he some guy who just talks and teaches and says you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this. He loves you. And God loves you. So much that Jesus was fully God and fully man. And he went to a cross and he died for you. All of your sins can be forgiven and erased if you would accept him as your Lord and Savior. And I know that sounds super hokey and super like, okay, yeah. 
But that's a, a legit thing that happened. Not only is he just telling you this is the right way to do things, but but he's he he wants to be a part of your life. He wants to have that relationship with you. That's why he talks about these things. If tonight you would say, I don't even know who Jesus is, but I would like to, and I would like to start a relationship with him. If that's you, would you please raise your hand? Tonight, if you would say, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. Thank you. I want to pray. And then, like I said, we'll break into small groups. Father, I thank you for each and every student that's here. I thank you that you're a good God.